Welcome to Storytime with T.L. Rutledge. This is your narrator speaking. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Chapter 7, Taming the Beast, 1204, France. The following day, Marcus traveled down a dusty dirt road through the forest. A short distance ahead of him, a quaint wooden bridge was had been erected over a small brook. The soothing noise of the gurgling brook was too enticing for him to ignore. He ventured out the marked path and entered the forest to find solace under a great oak. He had barely settled down when a strange rustling sound alerted him. He was still growing accustomed to, it, to his heightened senses and learning how to use them to his, to, to his advantage. But at this moment, the persistent sound coming from deep within the forest perplexed him so much that he stood up and went to search for it. Across the clearing, he saw that there, he saw what was making the noise. A group of hunters were building a campsite. Marcus sniffed the air. The hunting deer, he said to himself, quickly becoming aware of his enhanced sense of smell. He turned back. He turned to go back to his resting spot when he heard hooves running towards him. He stopped and squinted into the shadows of the forest and saw that a few yards away, a deer was sprinting directly towards him. It stopped suddenly, studied him, then grazed on the delicate, delicate grasses and clover in the field of open forest. He heard the hunter slowly approach the deer, though to the average ear, they wouldn't have made a sound. If I only had a bow, I'm starving, Marcus told himself. He thought it would be unwise to pursue the same food source as these hunters. At all costs, he must remain alone. The fear of transforming into the monster of his nightmares had kept him away from civilization on his journey thus far. Maybe I can find some other food in here instead. He searched for a few minutes when he discovered a low bush covered in juicy-looking red berries. He smelled them, and from the scent, he could tell they contained no poison. The moment he realized they were safe, Marcus stuffed his mouth with handful after handful of the, of the sweet fruit. The taste did not matter at all to him. He had not eaten in weeks. He was simply thankful to have found something to ease his growling belly. His hunger abated, he turned back and curled up once more under the oak tree. As nightfall approached, the pastel colors of the sunset gave way to the beautiful shades of turquoise, azure, and sapphire. Marcus looked up at the night sky and felt truly grateful to finally have a moment of peace. How serene the clouds looked as they swirled past the moon, the full moon. Dread filled Marcus as the realization grew, and he began to, began to sweat and convulse uncontrollably. His hands shook violently as he felt his body growing and expanding from within. His eyes changed from the hazel to, to a dark, sinister blue, and they glowed in the darkness. No, he howled. The sound of his own voice struck terror into his heart. This voice was not human, and yet it was not fully animal. Marcus knew he, wa he wasn't completely formed into the monster, but yet he wasn't in the state of man either. He stood upright as his bones cracked and enlarged within his body. No, not again, Marcus yelled through gritted teeth, his voice now more like a growl than words. Fur spread over his skin, as his stature contained to increase rapidly. You will not control me. I am not yours to control. Marcus shouted to the beast in the same deep, terrifying voice. He squeezed his eyes shut, summoning all of his strength, 
You will not take me. I am not your slave. The form of the beast was almost complete. Release me! Marcus raged with fury once more. Suddenly, and all at once, the transformation stopped, and his body returned to its original human state. He collapsed to the ground, gasping for air. As he looked at his hands and touched his face, he let out a sigh of relief as he collapsed to the ground, unconscious. Some time later, though he wasn't sure how long, Marcus awoke still in his human state. The sky was still dark with no sign of sun on the horizon. He couldn't sense the hunters nor the deer in the woods anymore, and he was worried that they may have witnessed his transformation and ran off. He struggled to his feet and leaned against a tree, unable to hold his own weight. Marcus was completely exhausted. Stopping the transformation took every ounce of strength he had, not only his physical strength, but his mental strength as well. He rubbed his temple with his fingers to soothe the pounding in his head. He could feel the blood pulsating through his body. Lightheaded, he decided to sit back down. He took in several deep breaths, trying to calm himself, when he heard a twig snap somewhere among the trees. He tried to use his senses, but they were as weak as he felt. He struggled to gain awareness, but he couldn't even manage the strength to concentrate. He felt panic rise within him when he realized how vulnerable he truly was at that moment. Slowly, he stood and entered the forest again, wandering, wandering along and stumbling into trees as his head continued to throb. When he couldn't walk any further, he sat against another tree, trying to relax. Without warning, a creature burst out of the brush in front of him. Marcus stared up at it and couldn't believe what he saw. The creature looked exactly like the beast from Constantinople, like the beast of his nightmares. Marcus jumped to his feet too quickly, and he almost lost consciousness. The beast stared back at him, though his fur was a different shade than the other beast he had met. This creature was more gray than black. Marcus didn't fear it this time. Instead, he had questions that he needed answers. The beast continued to stare at him, then steadily approached, looking hungry. Wait! Marcus shouted. I'm like you. Please, let me ask you some questions. The beast didn't make any indication that it understood what Marcus had said, or that it even noticed he was speaking at all. Instead, it roared and pounced upon Marcus an instant and threw him, threw him against another tree. The tree was ripped from the ground, and Marcus fell back along with it. He sat up dazed. He watched a beast dart through the forest, and he noticed something he hadn't seen before. The beast had chains around his wrist and neck. They were, they were loose chains, as if he had broken free from somewhere. Marcus stood up and approached the beast again. I can help you, he began. We can help each other. The beast looked at him again and took another swing at Marcus, but this time Marcus expected it and caught the beast's claw with his own arm, stopping the force altogether. The beast looked confused and swung his other claw to Marcus, sending him to the ground. The beast stamped on Marcus and held him there. Marcus tried to push the beast's foot off his chest, but couldn't. His strength had gone as quickly as it had come. He needed to concentrate. He closed his eyes and thought hard on the power the beast had given him. Within seconds, it all came back to him. He pushed the creature off his chest and rolled to safety. Marcus could feel the power of the beast surging through his veins, though he didn't, though he didn't fear it this time. He felt as if he could release it at his own will. Fine, I'll prove it to you, Marcus told the beast. Marcus shut his eyes, and a transformation began this time completely under his control. His body expanded, and the coarse fur appeared where his borrowed animal skins once were. His face became wolf-like, claws formed into hands, and fangs sprouted from his mouth. He opened his eyes to reveal their dark blue color, 
glowing in the moonlight. The other bees growled and sprinted at Marcus, who in turn sprinted towards it. Their heavy, heavily muscular bodies collided, and Marcus threw the bees into a tree, smashing it to bits. The beast was quickly on the attack again, this time forcing Marcus headfirst into another tree. The beast swung his claws into Marcus. Feeling he had no other choice, Marcus decided he must attack. He swiped his claw into the foe's head, knocking its crushing jaws away from him. He pounced off the beast and ripped into his flesh, but he was quickly thrown off. Though bleeding profusely, the beast didn't let up his attack. Instead, it charged Marcus again. Marcus caught, this, caught the beast with his claws and slammed it to the ground. He stomped on the beast's chest, and he could feel the ribs breaking beneath his foot. The beast struggled to escape, and one of his claws sliced into Marcus's leg. Marcus never intended to kill this creature, but it gave him no other choice. Soon he went in for the killing blow, using his powerful fangs to bite into the monster's throat. After a few moments, the struggling ceased, and the creature became cold and limp. Marcus slowed his heartbeat and willed himself to transform back into a man. It took a little more effort and time than his previous transformation. He assumed this because there were no other immediate dangers around. Soon his body shrank back into its normal size, and he found the animal fur that he wore was still intact upon his back. He thought that odd, remembering that he appeared naked after his first transformation. He wondered if it had something to do with controlling the beast. Perhaps because the beast would no longer took over him, he could allow the beast to be summoned. He wasn't sure. This was just another question he wished he could answer. As he knelt beside a dead creature, he inspected it thoroughly. He had hoped it would have transformed back into its human state, but when it, but when it didn't, he assumed the man had lost control of it. Being a knight of the full moon, the beast simply broke out of his cage. The chain still didn't make sense to Marcus. How, how did someone cage this creature? How did it break free? And who would want to cage this beast in the first place instead of killing it? A part of him felt sorry for the creature, now that he was one and the same with it. He was angry that someone had captured it and didn't simply kill it. He thought about the torture the beast must have endured to want to escape his captors. The facts started to make sense in his mind. The creature was so angry and unresponsive because Marcus was simply in its way on the path to freedom. Marcus had stolen that, that freedom by slaying the beast. With that realization, guilt consumed him. Your death will not be in vain, Marcus whispered. I will avenge you. The blood of your captive will be upon my hand before the sun rises in the morning. Marcus stood and followed the trail of blood back through the woods. He had to be, he had to be watchful. He, as he remembered Alexander telling him about the silver blade that slain the beast, if Marcus was the same beast, silver would bring him death as well. Welcome to Spotlight Interviews. In this series, I'll be conducting interviews with some really talented and inspiring people. Today, I am on call with country music artist Spencer Crandall. So you've been a growing sensation on TikTok, and you've recently released your first album. When did music become an impact in your life? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, music's kind of always been a big part of my life. Our, my entire family really bonds over music. We would go on road trips and go camping and stuff, and there was music in the car constantly. So I just grew up basically always with music in our car, in our house. And then around 19, 18, 19, I went to go play some college football. I got two shoulder surgeries and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I had so much time on my hands and I had no idea what I wanted to do after college. 
And so I just started posting covers on YouTube and Instagram just to kind of check out music and see if it was for me. And I really liked that. And I started writing music and I was like, whoa, this is so fun. And it's such a good way for me to get out my thoughts and my feelings. It's like free therapy. So it kind of always had an impact on my life. But around, you know, 19, I really saw like, oh, this is what I want to do forever. That's awesome. Yeah, you're really talented, Thank too. You so much. I really love you. Um, who would you say as far as other musicians who has inspired you? Uh, that's that's a good question. I, I think um, really anybody that's willing to be 100 percent authentic and just do whatever they want to do and then still have it be commercial and cool. So I love people that are willing to take risks like Sam Hunt or Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran or some of these people who mix genres a little bit. Um, and then it's also really good and has awesome songwriting. So I love storytelling and that's why I love country music and I want to be in country music is because I think image driven conversational lyric is important songwriting is is really cool to me so anybody that you know loves to tell a good story and also isn't afraid to do it in a cool way that's awesome man that's awesome um tell me about the inspiration uh for your new single my sorry you cut out uh really quick what about my person uh the inspiration behind Ah. it uh well i was in a relationship and um you get to this point where you can't see your the rest of your life without that person. Like I, I, I kept hearing people say like, Oh, like that's my person. That's my person. And it was, it's kind of in the ether and in the zeitgeist. And I just really felt that way about this person because it gets to this point where they know you deeper than your mom or deeper than your best friend. And they really are the person that you want to tell everything to. And so I just thought it was a really fun, easy conversational way of saying like, you're the person that I go to and you're the person that I want to do life with. And, you know, luckily it's, I think people have connected with that. I remember putting it on my Instagram story and just getting kind of a reaction that I'd never gotten before on a song. So I really let the fans kind of lead the way with that one. They were like, yo, you need to put that out. So I was like, great, let's do it. Mm, nice. Nice. That's a really good song, by the Thank way. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, with your album more, um, my personal favorite on the album is Ain't Working For Me. Mm. Tell me a little bit about that song. Yeah, I wrote that with my buddy uh, Scott Porter, and we write a ton of songs together. And I, I like the idea of um, kind of you almost feel like the first time you hear it, or at least the first time we wrote it, it almost feels like mean. You're like, oh, I bet you're out doing all this stuff and flirting with people and all this stuff. And it's basically a, a, a indirect way of saying, like, genuinely, I hope that works for you because I can tell you firsthand, like, I've tried all that stuff and it does not work. <laughs> and I think we've all been there in a breakup where you're like, I'm going to try everything. I'm going to flirt. I'm going to drink. I'm going to just go out and stay busy. And nothing quite fills that void. And it's almost like a warning to that other person. Like, trust me, it doesn't work. And it's also like a, a backhanded way of saying, like, I still care about you. And I still think about you all the time. Like, it came from a real thing of um, that first verse of like, thought I saw your car parked on Second Street. It's so real of like, like, I, I remember my first girlfriend in high school, Drew, 
Nissan Altima and every freaking Nissan Altima I'd see it like, Oh my God, it's her. You know, like when you're in that place, it just is so hard to move on. And so you really are desperate to try anything. Yeah, that's cool. Um, in the future or in the, even in the next year, even yeah. um, who, who are you most looking uh, forward to like collaborating with? If you could pick anybody, anybody in the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Justin Timberlake, John Bellion, uh, Sam Hunt, John Mayer, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran. Like all those people are kind of the people that I just kind of are my go-tos. Um, yeah. Man, there's a guy named JP Sachs who's like crushing it right now. And I, I messaged him last night. was just like, dude, you're really awesome. So it'd be cool to write with him. I got to uh, write a song. This is like kind of random, but uh, – we become friends, a guy named Josh Radner who played uh, Ted Mosby on How I Met Your Mother. And that was a, like a sitcom I watched growing up on yeah. and off. And um, we wrote a, an incredible song. He's gotten into music. So it's fun. Like on this journey, you just get to meet different people and you write with different people. And I don't really know, like, you know, the big names. I have no intentions of working with those people anytime <laughs> soon. It'd be awesome. But, um, you know, there, there's these awesome people who I look up to and through Instagram and stuff are you know, we're trying to make some stuff happen and and hopefully that happens in the new year. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that show. That was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, uh, a, he's a sweetheart and he's an awesome actor and producer and writer and he's gotten into music. And so he was in Nashville and we got together and wrote one of my favorite songs I've written in a long time. That's great. Yeah. Uh, release of that one coming out. Do you have a release date for that one? Uh, we're working on a whole pretty crazy plan for the year that i'm like i'm not going to go into too much detail but i i am so excited for um just 2020 in general like if if we really pull off what i want to pull off it's the most interesting thing in country music at least to me like i i I couldn't be more excited about it that's awesome i'm looking forward to it whatever it is (laughs) i know i I always feel so bad saying something like that but i don't want to give anything away because i really do think like if we can pull it off and execute it really well that people are going to be really really excited with no spoilers probably the best way to go (laughs) um so what is one message you would want to give your fans sorry you you cut out real quick was it to my younger self no i said uh what what is one message you want to give to your fans oh to my fans gotcha yeah Hmm. One message. Um, I mean, just, I have so much gratitude for them. Like I get to pay my bills because people listen to my music, which is pretty incredibly hard to do in the world. Um, and that comes from people who have been following me on Instagram for four years and have driven five hours to see a show or just showed a friend like, that stuff is not missed on me. And I, I, every single day, I'm so thankful for those people. And just that I hope that, you know, I can keep doing more for you guys because you've given me so much. And, and when I go into meetings and when people ask me like how music's going, I get to say it's going really well because people like them care and they actually like comment on the video or share it or stream the music. So I appreciate them more than they'll ever know. It's awesome. Um, so what's next for you? What's the next stage of your journey? Yeah, I mean, 
I think we've put out a lot of music and the plan is to, to put out more music. I think this time we're going to be a little bit more intentional about what music we're putting out and when we're putting it out and how we're putting it out. Um, and, you know, that's obviously having some meetings in town. There's kind of two games to be playing as an artist. One is the chess game that is the industry. And, you know, like I'm an independent artist. So like, especially in country music, if you want to be on country radio, you need a record label with a, a radio team that will take a record deal. And so that's part of what's next is playing that game. And I, I think the what's always next is giving my fans like real value. Like how can I make their lives better? If that's giving them their breakup song or their party song or a funny video on my story, whatever it is, like trying to really add value to fans and also eventually add value enough to a record label that we can sign and, and get more exposure. And the, the, the goal for me is to play a football stadium. And so if I'm going to do that, um, there's just a lot of hard work and a lot of getting stuff done ahead. Well, if it's any consolation, I believe you can do well, it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's, it's, uh, it's a lofty goal, but I, I don't know why, like I, I growing up, we'd go see, Keith Urban and Kenny Chesney and all these people at a stadium. And I was like, I want to do that. That looks really cool. So thank you for joining me. It's been a, been a great pleasure talking to you and getting to know you better. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. I appreciate you. And thanks so much for having me on. It means the world. Never found nobody like you I saw you order up a Mai Tai And suddenly I wanted want to Got your name, got your number And we talked till they turned on the lights I was looking for a long time I didn't know that night I'd find my person My heartbeat, my slow dance My Sunday morning sipping on coffee In bed, my nose
Monday morning sipping on coffee in bed My new and you know best friend The steel of my t-shirt My reason for speeding home from work My saving grace, my everything I've never been more sure that you're my person That was Spencer Crandall's new single, My Person. You can find that song here on Spotify, or you can uh, find more information about his album, his song, on his website, uh, spencercrandallmusic.com. Be sure to check him out. He's a really talented guy. He's a really great guy. He's a a lot of fun to talk to, um, as you heard with the interview. Um, So yeah, go over to his Spotify, find his Facebook, uh, like like his page on Facebook, uh, follow him on Instagram. Uh, you know, do the works. This guy's awesome. He's going places. Thank you for listening to Chapter 7, Taming the Beast. Chapter 8, One with the Pack, will be coming soon. <laughs>